Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the main campus. And 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. All right. Good to see you today. God bless you guys. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 6. I'm excited about this series we're beginning today entitled The Baby Changes Everything. And every, the next three weeks, four weeks after today, we're going to be looking at how Christ came into the world and changed everything. One baby made a difference in the entire world. And we're going to look at how he can make a difference in your life today. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 6. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. and The glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. On earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go down to Bethlehem and see the thing that has, been, that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that you came down, you came into this earth, that you might reach out and love us, show that love in a tangible way. I thank you, God, that your coming has changed everything in my life. I pray, God, it will do the same for everyone that is here. We thank you, God, that you're still coming. You're still coming into each and every life who will open their hearts to you. I thank you, God, for your word. Your word is truth. So I pray now we'll find fertile ground. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's not just a ceremony. It's mom and dad saying, I'm going to raise my children to follow and serve the Lord so that baby can fulfill its full kingdom potential. Listen, every baby has potential to either become a bloody Stalin or a blessed Stephen. Every baby born has the potential to be a murderous Jezebel or a ministering Lydia. Every child has that potential within that life. Every parent looks at their child and say, look at, look at my son. He's going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, or, or look at my son. He's going to be the doctor. Or my, or my daughter's going to be the doctor or the nurse or whatever the case may be. And they look at that child with all kinds of potential. When I was born, my mom looked at my hands and said, my son's going to be a piano player. And so for eight long, grueling years, I took piano lessons. And my hands never got it. 
and I can't play today. But you look at your child and you look at that baby and you think that baby has all kinds of potential. And I want to tell you, for unto us a child is born. When Jesus Christ was born, in many ways he was like every other birth that ever came down through the creation of the world. Uh, But I want to tell you, Jesus' birth was also very unique uh, in this fact. Uh, He was more than made in the image of God. He was God himself. He more than just had potential. The birth of the child, Jesus Christ, would literally change the world forever. Now, when babies are born, one of the customs we have is we like to send out the birth announcement. And so everybody, we want everybody to know about our kid, you know. And, of course, you, you drop the pictures out and you show them all the pictures of that wrinkled little uh, red baby. And you think that baby's a darling little thing. And you send out the birth announcements. You'll send uh, a little announcement to your friends and relatives. And sometimes you'll include the picture of that wrinkled red newborn. And now you can just do it on Facebook. And so right away, you, just as soon as that baby's born, you snap the picture, uh, hit your computer button, and it goes out all over. And almost immediately, everybody knows you've just had a baby. And you'll hang a, a, red, uh, a pink balloon or a blue balloon on the door of the hospital room or on the door of your house. You'll hang the balloons from your mailbox so everybody in the neighborhood knows you've just had a baby boy or a baby girl, and you tell everybody you see. Listen, the birth announcement for Jesus Christ was unlike any other birth announcement ever given. The Bible said the skies lit up. There was in the heavens a heavenly host. An angel declaring for unto us a child is born. And and, and the angelic host said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now the announcement goes out. and The shepherds hear it. And yet there seems to be, at first glance, a contradiction in these words. Peace on earth. You know, the world that Jesus Christ was born into was anything but a peaceful place. It was a violent, wicked world. In fact, shortly following the birth of Jesus Christ, Herod the Great, who was a cruel, wicked, sadistic king, ordered the slaughter of all male children under two years of age in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, uh, king Herod hated the Jews, and uh, he hated the God of the Jews. Uh, he was a murderous, violent king. It was Rome that was dominating over Palestine at this time. Uh, and so when the angels are crying, peace on earth, there's all kinds of turmoil and captivity and murderous uh, and 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 that was all going on. Jesus Christ came into a world filled with poverty and disease and injustice and in prejudice. And I want to tell you, it's not too unlike our world today. Our world today is not much different than it was 2,000 years ago because we have all the same kind of problems all around us. I don't know how many babies Herod slaughtered in the city of Bethlehem. I will tell you, since Roe versus Wade, we have slaughtered 50 million babies in America before they even had a chance to make it out of the birth canal. 50 million. And it's into this world, Jesus Christ said, peace on earth, and yet we slaughter our own children. War today, war in Afghanistan, threat of terror, 
across our nations. We don't know when the next terrorist is going to strike. It seems to be always looming out there somewhere. Scandals dominate the news and the newspaper. You saw what happened in Penn State. You saw what happened in Syracuse, uh, that coaches trusted by the uh, universities could molest children. And I want to tell you, we just hear about those because they're famous personalities. Think about how much child molestation goes on every single day, every single hour of each day. And it's into this world, Jesus Christ said, peace on earth. Where's the peace? The world's overflowing with hurt and hatred and sin and bondage. Wouldn't it be great if we could just see prejudice laid aside in America and yet it still persists? Wouldn't it be great if our streets would once again be safe for our children to run around in the neighborhoods uh, and not worried about them being kidnapped or abducted or something happening to them? Uh, And yet it was in the midst of this pain and suffering, Jesus Christ said, the angel said, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. For unto us a Savior has been born. What does he mean by that statement? Peace on earth. I want to give you three things this morning. I want you to chew on these. You've got your outlines. You can look on the back. First of all, Jesus Christ came to bring peace with God. Because Christ came, changed everything. And now we who are alienated and strangers with God can now have peace with God. I can have peace with with my maker, with my creator. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse number 13. Ephesians 2 and 13. For now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. It was broken, who has made us both one and broken down the middle wall of division between us. I want to tell you, he came to bring peace. And now I was a stranger. I was alienated from God. But because of one man who came into this world, the Lord Jesus Christ, I can now have peace with God. It's incredible. You might say, Pastor, why do I need a Savior? For unto you a Savior is born. Why do I need a Savior? Why do I need this peace with God? Well, let me sum it up for you this way. Heaven's a perfect place. It is a perfect place. There's no mistakes in heaven. There's no inconsistencies in heaven. Uh, There's none of that stuff that we have here on the earth in heaven. And only perfect people get to go to heaven. You see, here's the problem. If God let imperfect people in, we'd mess it up. It would no longer be perfect, right? Now think about that. If heaven is a perfect place and God let imperfect people in, As soon as he let imperfect people in, it would be messed up. It would no longer be perfect. That's the good news. God sent a savior. So I get into heaven on someone else's ticket. The Lord Jesus Christ. They, uh, they, they found a letter, you know, the letters that are collected by the post office that are written to Santa Claus. And they found one written by a little boy. It went like this. Dear Santa. There are three boys living at my house. Jeffrey is two, Daniel is four, and Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. And Norman is good all the time. 
I am Norman. <laughs> he, I would say he embellished his resume a little bit for uh, Santa Claus there. The, the, the problem is none of us is really a Norman. There's none of us that are good all the time. We all blow it. Nobody bats a thousand. No one is always perfect. We all fail. We all blow it. We all sin. In fact, if your thoughts from 2011 were put on the big screen, every single one of us would be embarrassed. Have our thoughts displayed before everybody else. That's why I need a savior. I'm not perfect. I'm not a Norman. And I can't save myself. And that's why I need Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came into this world and said, you know what? I'm going to allow you to have peace with God. And that, my friends, is incredible. My past is forgiven. I can start over again. And that's the good news. You see, the problem is man is trying to save himself. And he thinks somehow that if I'm good enough or I go to church or I keep enough rules, that somehow I can save myself. And we try to work our way into heaven. Listen, the more you try to save yourself, the more you're going to fail and be frustrated. It'll never happen. It only happens through a person, that baby that was born, the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, I went to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and and part of my college is I had to take two semesters of PE, physical education, whatever you call it, to get, I guess, to stay certified or whatever. And so uh, I signed up for weight training. You can tell that didn't work. I thought I needed that pretty bad. And I took the other course, life-saving, lifeguard, life-saving. And so we would go to the, the pool in town every uh, afternoon or every other afternoon, and we'd swim our laps. And, and I thought, this may help me down the road. I can be a lifeguard. I can save somebody's life if they're drowning. So I'll take life-saving uh, one of the things that they do, though, is to, to test you out is they pair you up with somebody else who they tell to get in the middle of the pool and drown and act like you're drowning. I got to dive in and save that guy. I was 140 pounds. The guy I had to pull out was 235 pounds. I, I want to tell you, I almost drowned in life-saving class. It was, it was terrible. But, but they tell you that when somebody is in the water and they're drowning, they're struggling, they're flailing, they're waving their arms, you can't approach them head on. Otherwise, they will wrap their arms around you and both of you will drown in the process. So when you're trying to save somebody, the idea is to go swim underneath them, come up from the backside of them and throw your arm around them. The whole time you tell them, calm down, calm down. You throw your arm around them, you do the side stroke and you take them safely on into shore. In theory, that's the way it's supposed to work. But as long as a person is trying to save themselves, they just kind of hasten the whole drowning process and take someone down with them. And the idea is you can't save yourself. And so it is in Christ Jesus. You say, listen, you can't do it on your own. You've got to give it all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a matter of accepting him, putting your faith in the Lord. He is your savior. And when you do that, you have peace with God. Salvation is a gift. We just have to accept it and receive it by faith. So the first thing this baby does is he allows me now to have peace with God. The second thing that the baby changes is he gives me peace within. Peace within myself. Jesus Christ in this troubled world can bring peace in the middle of your heart. In a world that is dark and bleak and discouraging, Christ said you can have peace. 
and your circumstances that seem tumultuous and it seems like everything is coming against you and you don't know where to turn, I can still have peace in my heart because I, have, I am in the security and safety of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, everybody is looking for peace. They're trying to find it somewhere. And so some people drink until they're so drunk, they're numb, they no longer feel the pain, and in that way they find their peace. Trouble is they sober up and all the pain is still there. Some people look for peace in hopping from one relationship to the next. And they think they're going to find peace in another person, in another individual. And they're hoping I can find somebody that's going to fill that void in my life. Others try to find peace by staying busy all the time. And if I just don't have to think about my pain and my hurts and my grief, if I just stay real busy and real active, uh, then I'll just collapse in bed at night and, and I don't have to think about my fears and my loneliness anymore. Some will look to transcendental meditation or yoga or some other counterfeit substitutes, relaxation techniques to find their peace. And it just simply does not work. I want to tell you, peace can only be found in the Prince of Peace, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one, the only way that you will ever find peace within yourself. When Jesus Christ is allowed to rule in your life, when he really is allowed to reign there and you're giving him control of your life, there is an incredible peace that Christ can give that passes all understanding. And he will say to the storm that's going on around you, just like he rose up on that boat and said, peace be still. Everything just got quiet and calmed down and a hush fell. When Christ comes into your heart and life, he'll say to you, peace be still. Peace be still. He gives peace within. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Real peace is in knowing that whatever I do, God will never stop loving me. Isn't that incredible? It's knowing that no matter what circumstances may bring, God will never, ever leave me nor forsake me. And that knowledge gives me peace. Listen to Philippians 4 and verse Number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. We sang that at the outset of the service. Rejoice, let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then here's the promise, verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise in God's word. Now, there, there's believers. That, uh, most of you probably in here know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you're, you're a believer, but you say, you know what? I'm still restless. I still can't find that peace. I love God. But I'm tormented. I love God, but I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. Now, why is this happening to me? I want to give you three Christmas Grinches that are out there to steal your peace. Three of them. Three Christmas Grinches that will steal your peace, or anytime Grinches. Number one, guilt. Guilt will rob you of your peace. It will, it will take you your peace away. A restless conscience of unconfessed sin 
will take that peace away that God intended for his children to have. Listen, if you are brooding over sin, if there's something you're doing in your life you shouldn't be doing, uh, if your thoughts are going to the wrong place, uh, if you're involved in activities you ought not to be involved in, and you know what they are, and you've you got all these things going on in your life, that will rob even the child of God of the peace that God intended them to have because that guilt becomes a Grinch that will steal your peace away. Grinch. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 1, though. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we, some people stop there. You know what they say? For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. They stop too soon. Listen to the rest of the verse. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you're a child of God, but you are still yielding and giving in to the dictates of your flesh, it will still rob you of your peace. So guilt becomes a Grinch that will rip off your peace. The the, the second Grinch is grief. Grief can be the Grinch that will rip off your peace. Christmas is 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 an incredible season, I think, because one of the things that brings back such happy memories of our times around the tree and opening gifts and family together and all those kind of pleasant memories you hold and hang on to, especially at this time of the year. But I will also tell you Christmas can be a very painful time. It can be a very a time filled with grief because you're also reminded of that husband or wife who's not there by the tree anymore. Or your father and mother, your dad who's no longer there to play Santa Claus and pass out the gifts every Christmas. And all of a sudden he's gone and you get overwhelmed for just a moment of this feeling of grief and loss. And some of you are hurting at Christmas time because you've been separated from your wife or your husband. And you spent years together raising your kids but now something happened along the way adultery came in or anger or bitterness or grief and now you've gone your own ways and so now you're by yourself and 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 this grief of loss can just be a grinch that comes in and robs you of peace and joy but i want to tell you we were never meant we were never created to carry that kind of grief and so jesus christ said cast all your cares on me because i care for you So we can go to the Lord Jesus Christ and we can pour it out to him and we can let God know our hurts and our feelings and our pain. And you know what? Once again, as I come into his presence, fills my heart with that love and joy and peace all over again. It's not always easy. I want to tell you, you turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord. You give it to Christ. You say, God, I can't handle this. God, you help me. God, you come beside of me. And when you do that, he's there going to be a tough christmas for for rick and ryan i want you to pray for them especially as in three weeks they'll celebrate their first christmas without jackie you know these kind of things we deal with but there are promises in god's word cast your cares on me cast your cares on me because i care about you the third grinch is grudges grudges We feel guilty when we hurt each other. We feel guilty when there's alienation with somebody else out there. And so anger comes into our spirits or we allow a root of bitterness to get inside of us that defiles everything we touch or or you're motivated by revenge or or there's division. And, And when we respond in that way to the hurts that come our way, what happens is when you hang on to the grudge, it will rob your peace. 
Listen, guys, you got to let it go. Let it go. And until you let it go, you'll never have the peace that God wants you to have because you're brooding over this anger, grudge, and bitterness. The way you respond to the hurts that come your way in life will determine your level of peace and joy. That, that's good. I'm going to say it one more time. Just you write this down. When you res- the way you respond to the hurts that come your way in life will determine your level of peace and joy. If you fret and fume, if you stew and spew, you'll wind up hurting yourself more than the person that offended you. You see, we get mad and we get angry. We hang on to that grudge. We get really, yeah, yeah. And they're just buzzing down life. They're whistling. They're singing. They don't even know you're mad at them. And it, 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 anger hurts the angry person more than the one you're angry at. You get it in your spirit, and it robs you off and rips you off of your joy and peace. And the other person, they're, they're, just, they're just totally having a great time out there. Let go of your grudges. Let go of your grudges. You say, I can't. Pastor, I can't. It just hurts too much. Listen, once again, that's why I need Jesus. That's why I need this Christ child, this baby, is to come so I can love through his love and I can forgive through his forgiveness. And he gives me the power to let it go. And I will tell you again, a baby changes everything. Let it go. Number three. And this this last part really leads me into my third point. Because the baby came, I can have peace with each other. Peace with one another. In my relationships, I can have peace. You know, it's interesting. Families can be kind of, yeah, 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 and back and forth, and, and marriages, and kids, and everybody fighting. But you know, when you get to a hospital, and when that baby's born, all of a sudden, everything gravitates around the child. And you forget that I'm mad at the in-laws. Because you got his parents and her parents there. And you may not like his parents and she may not like your parents. And, and they're all there. You don't like each other. But that, that baby is a commonality that is shared by the entire family. That has a way to unify a family like maybe nothing else can do. And so it is with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing is, when Christ came into the world, he created for us a much larger family uh, because now, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're my brothers, you're my sisters, uh, we are family. And so we are living out a legacy of love that Christ left for every single one of us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we share in the love of Christ and we share that together, it changes our relationships. 1 John four eleven says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The love born in Christ draws all of us to the manger. And as we share in that love of Christ, we can't help in the body of Christ but love one another. And so when Christ came, when that baby was born, he brought peace in our relationships. In fact, when, when Paul writes Israel, he says there's no longer any wall that divides Jew and Gentile. He says now in Christ Jesus, we are all one. A baby changes everything. Uh, There's no prejudice. uh, There's no nationalities. uh, There's no divisions. uh, There's no color differences. There's no barriers. uh, None of that exists anymore because of Christ Jesus. A baby changes 
everything. I want to tell you, he'll comfort you in your sorrow. He'll provide meaning and fullness for your life when it seems useless and hopeless. He'll give you joy when your circumstances are grim. Uh, The birth of Jesus Christ has transformed the lives of billions of people across this planet over the last 2,000 years ago. And I've got good news. Uh, He can change your life today. You see, the problem is there's so many people in life, they don't know what they're looking for. And they try all kinds of things to find their happiness. And they're looking for someone to love them or someone to come in and fill that void in their life. Uh, They're looking for security and significance when actually what they're really looking for is God. They just don't know it yet. One of the writers, I think it's Pascal, said that in every individual there is what is known as a God-shaped vacuum. And until you allow Christ to come in, that vacuum and void will always be there. It's that God-shaped vacuum. But here's the good news, and, and listen to this. While we were looking for God all the time, God was looking for us. And that's why God came down to earth, was to find us. That's why he went through that whole birth process. That's why he became a man, so he could shout out, I love you. I love you so much, I'm going to identify you. I'm going to be touched with all the feelings of your infirmities. I'm going to go through all the trials and pains and the joys of life I'm going to experience here with you. And so while mankind was searching for God, God was reaching out to us. And that's the good news. For unto us, unto us, a Savior is born. Unto us. The miracle of Christmas is not found on 34th Street. It's found in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. He will give you forgiveness from your past and peace with God. He will give you peace in your mind for your present. And he will give you a peace for your future. That knowing that I'm secure in Christ Jesus. And he's got my entire eternity covered. And it's all wrapped up in one little baby. Jesus Christ. I, uh, I don't know about you. I hope you get something under the tree or present or something if you have a tree, but hope you get a present this year. Can you imagine somebody giving you a present and it's wrapped and it's got a beautiful bow on it and they hand that to you and you say, my, the wrapping is so nice. My, the bow is so pretty. You know what? I'm just not going to open this thing. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right here on my shelf. So I can look at the wrapping, and I can look at the bow. Now, you would think that person was nuts. You might have a very valuable gift inside of there, but they are content to look on the wrappings and on the bow, and you would think they are just totally loony. And yet how many people, year after year after year, they go to church on Christmas, they hear the songs, they know them by heart, they talk about the baby, they've even put up a manger scene in their house. I want to tell you, if you're doing all that, all you're doing is looking at the wrapping paper. And you look at the wrapping paper year after year after year. But until you say, Jesus, I need you, come into my heart and into my life, it's only then he will change you, change everything. And he'll bring the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's time to open up the gift, people. Bow your heads and close your eyes. 
Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.